Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello, it's Friday. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day and week in business and markets. I'm Juliette Sarley. And I'm Danny Akuye. And Danny, we got here, but we are on a negative tone and it has been, of course, all of this awful conflict in the Middle East, but uh, just a lot of worries out there in the market. So we're down about 1% there on the CBO. Yeah, it tried to stage a little bit of a, well, a rally is a strong way to put it, but look, there was a little bit of buying into the afternoon session, but it looks like it's closing, as you say, down around 12 pints for the CBO 200, almost 1%, the ASX 200, down uh, currently around 79 points or one spot, 1.3%. So it was a pretty rank week. Have we got how much it's down for the week for the week uh, about 2.1 percent we'll wait for that to um update update but you know it has been a day where pretty much worse than that though doesn't it yeah and every sector with the exception of energy lower so let's have a look at how some of these big sectors fared the material sector off by about 1.7 percent if we take a look at some of the big names there fortescue off by 2.4 percent on the close but still holding above 21 dollars a share yeah and let's have a look at some of the retailers because I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, Nick Scarly doing well. Isn't surprising they had another update mm. and it just continues to surprise to the upside. But La Visa, the weakest there with super retail also off by 1.2%, but it's actually Accent being hit down by 3%. And uh, as I mentioned, the energy sector, the only sector moving higher out of the 11, just slightly though, a third of 1% of a gain as we've seen so much move coming through in oil prices, not only focused on what's happening in the Middle East, but there's also a deal expected to bring more Venezuelan crude to the market in the months ahead. Uh, You've got mostly positive momentum coming through there. From some of the big ones, Santos and Beach Energy, but Woodside was a little lower as was Ampol and Viva Energy. Absolutely. And uh, let's have a look at the three themes. And of course, we really can't go too far from those nasty bond yields, yes. which keep going up. And of course, it is causing a lot of uh, concerns of not only tightening conditions in the US, but also equity valuations, companies that are deeply impacted by higher yields, uh, infrastructure stocks, consumer discretionary. So the question is, when what is go- yeah, yeah, what, what might breaks? start to break? Is there another bank potentially? Who knows? But as I was chatting to Nick Morton earlier on, we're not going to know anything is broken until we actually see it. You yeah. know, one of those nasty drawdown events starting. And you make a really good point about how much it just flows through into everything because totally. we also saw the 10-year JGB hit, I think, its highest since 2013. Mm. So there was a bit of Bank of Japan intervention there too. Uh, in terms of the earnings season, as you say, I mean, these higher rates affecting everyone, it's been interesting to watch some of the third quarter US uh, reports. (laughs) And, um, you know, we've got a lot of of 
detail on this on Ausbiz on our website. Netflix, you know, absolutely interesting. It said, of course, it's going to raise prices for some of its plans. But then you had Tesla on the other side missing Mm. Wall Street's expectations. I I think the point was is that we're really seeing companies being absolutely smashed if they miss on their quarterlies, Mm. um, if their guidance, they're downgrading it. I mean, we're we're again seeing this extreme volatility in share prices. I was noting um, first solar, I think, is down 20% in the aftermarket once they reported. So these are some big, big stock moves and it just makes it ever more challenging, I think, in this environment for investors. All right, well, we'll be looking to that key inflation print next week as well because, you know, if that is hotter than expected, which it seems across the globe we're getting hotter than expected or stickier than expected inflation, then does Michelle Bullock deliver a rate hike in November on Melbourne Cup Day? Exactly. Now, that wouldn't be obviously a great day for the Cup, but it certainly wouldn't be the Christmas present that anybody is looking for. But, of course, the big story of today... Lion Town, yeah, we're watching those shares absolutely crash their worst intraday drop since March 2015 uh, Liontown raised 375 million dollars in equity and it will raise 760 million dollars via debt and this is of course after Albemarle uh, withdrew from that 6.6 billion dollar takeover don't offer. You, don't you like so exciting growing complexities mm. I love that a very tactful way but look the share price is down th- almost 32 percent to $1.91 so it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out now that Gina Reinhardt is sitting there on the register. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we were also watching Blue Scope yeah. there. They cut their earnings before tax guidance. Uh, shares actually rose by about half of 1%. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting, actually. Obviously, the market had been expecting worse. But Linus Rare Earths have reported a 20, almost a 22% fall in first quarter revenue on today, hurt by lower product prices and continued accumulation of inventory. And the stock of the day. Indeed, Insignia Financial. And uh, we had Junbei Lu and also um, Adam uh, Dawes. from Dawes. Yes. Thank you. Oh, long day. But long it wasn't day. a long day. That's the problem <laughs> from Shore and Partners. <laughs> Let's check in and see what they had to say. Against it um, for this company, I think certainly um, you know today's announcement really unnerved investor that thinking potentially there's downgrade coming, and they mm. already had a couple of downgrades already. Mm. Result was not flash. So uh, look, it's in a very tough spot. It's very hard to step in and buy um, this company. Feels like it's going lower. You know, one of these things about Insignia is 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 that they've they've bitten off probably a lot more than they can chew. Mm. And what's happened is, is that from sort of two years ago, they've had this such a meteoric rise of, and they brought ANZ's uh, financial planning group. They've just bought MLC's financial platform and, and, and the financial planners. And Renato was really only there as a caretaker for right. the business going forward and then was moved into the CEO role because they basically couldn't find anybody else. And so uh, it's been moved in there. And now it's it's a bit of a shock actually that he's, because, you know, there's one thing that he, he's done quite well. He's he's gotten rid of a lot of the dead weight in the financial planning side of things. And I dealt with a lot of financial planners that, that got moved because they didn't write enough business. Mm. And so he either said, if you're on the platform you're on, if you're not, well, thanks very much. See you later. And you can find somewhere else.
So the two guests today weren't too keen on Insignia for obvious reasons that uh, too much debt, just taken on a whole lot of acquisitions and uh, yeah, a lot of hard work ahead mm, of them. Indeed. All right, let's welcome to the COB our Friday guest, Shane Oliver, AMP Chief Economist. Great to see you, Shane, on what has not been a great week. Um, you know, we're continuing to see these escalating tensions, bond yields pushing even higher. How have you kind of read all the dramatic action? <laughs> well, it's been a bit messy. I, I guess, you know, we saw that nice rally last week. Uh, I was always a bit unsure as to whether it would be sustained or not. Um, we do have ongoing issues about particularly bond yields rising and that uh, they went to new highs this week, highest level since 2007 in the US, highest in Australia since 2011. And obviously that is pressuring share market valuations even though Fed Chair Powell was fairly balanced in his comments overnight, um, he said that you know they're not going to stand in the way of higher bond yields. So that, uh, that that's problem number one. Problem number two is, of course, the uncertainty about the Middle East. Uh, that's a bit of an unknown. My inclination is to think that ultimately it will be contained, that oil supplies won't be impacted. But, of course, the risk is, is high. And, of course, that's weighing as well. Uh, the, the broader issue is, I mean, this could just be a retest of the lows that we had earlier this month, uh, in which case then that would be a positive thing and, and then we'd, we'd rally again. But uh, obviously those uncertainties are fairly high and the risk of recession is high. And then locally, of course, we had uh, the commentary from the Reserve Bank, the minutes, uh, and then the uh, the comments, the fireside chat by Governor Bullock uh, sounding a lot more hawkish. I'm always a bit peeved as to why the the minutes often take a different bent to the statement uh, for the meeting that which they relate to. And the conclusion coming out of the statement was that things were fairly relaxed at the Reserve Bank. Yes, they might raise rates again, but uh, obviously the minutes read a lot more hawkish than the statement did, which makes me wonder whether they actually write the minutes after they, they see the reaction to the <laughs> statement. I shouldn't be so uh, cynical, but uh, in any case, in any case, um, that message from the RBA is certainly hawkish. And I guess uh, the, you, you guys made the reference to Melbourne Cup Day. Um, you know, there, there are those relatively, there is that track record of, of raising interest rates on Melbourne Cup Day or changing interest rates on Melbourne Cup Day. So it's something you shouldn't necessarily be betting against. I, I think at this stage, I'm hopeful they won't. But obviously, a lot is riding on the CPI numbers that come out next Wednesday. And obviously, if they're above RBA expectation to a significant degree, then then they'll go again. Yeah, Shane, we're living in interesting times. You have a great chart about um, the earnings yield, so the uh, basically the bond risk premium and the earnings risk premium. I'm hoping we can pull that up. But it kind of shows bonds are starting to look much more attractive, uh, well, arguably mm. after three years of a bear market. You hope they're looking more attractive. Um, and maybe you can just run us through this chart and what the implications are for the two asset classes. Yeah, what the chart basically shows for Australia and the US is the forward earnings yield. So I've effectively taken the PE based on earnings expectations from the consensus for the next 12 months, then inverted that. And that gives you an earnings yield, so to speak, which is a good proxy for the return from shares. And then I've subtracted from that the 10-year the bond yield. And you can see that for much of the post-tech rec period, uh, that gap has been quite positive. In fact, for the post-GFC period, the gap has typically been around 3 to 4%. Uh, 
Uh, right now in the US, it's down to uh, about 0.2, 0.3%. And in Australia, it's fallen as well, well below the norms that we've seen over the last 20 years. Uh, it's quite possible that we've gone back to the halcyon days of the 1990s when that, that gap was averaging around zero and therefore there's nothing to worry about. But somehow I, da- I doubt that. We, we're we seeing a, a return of geopolitical risk, whereas in the, in the 90s it was unwinding. Uh, inflationary threat is much greater than it was in the 90s. Uh, back in the 90s was privatisation, deregulation, focus on smaller government. All of those things are going in reverse now. So I would think that the risk premium is getting dangerously low for shares. And obviously <clears throat> the lower those lines are, uh, the more attractive it is for bonds, the higher the uh, the bond yield is relative to the to the equity yield, and obviously it means that shares are not offering a particularly good premium. So that's the risk here. And obviously, if bond yields keep rising, uh, so I've I've factored in there the five percent yield in the US. But if they keep rising, then obviously it could send that risk premium negative at some point. So that's obviously an ongoing concern for share markets from a valuation point of view. Shane, um, if earnings don't keep up, and I think we're starting to see this um, in some earnings report in the US and also here with the AGMs or the quarterly updates, it's hard to Mm. see the shares really performing unless bond yields do start to move down again. Is that a fair enough comment? That's, That's precisely right. So, so far, I think share markets have been relatively resilient to the lows that we saw earlier this month. And of course, we got back to that low today. Uh, the market had had a fall of about 8% from its highs, I think, which were around the middle of the year, sometime in late July, actually. Uh, so we'd had falls of 8%, which is quite mild in the great scheme of things. Uh, and, and the reason the falls were mild, despite the backup in bond yields, was because earnings expectations were quite solid uh, or getting revised up or you know, there was hopes for a soft landing, economic conditions were coming in better than expected. But if that gives way if the earnings outlook starts to deteriorate, then that does leave the share market a lot more vulnerable and the tolerance for higher bond yields uh, will become less. Um, I I, I know it's a very different environment to last year. Last year, bond yields went up because of higher inflation, which which is unambiguously negative for shares, Mm. Uh, whereas this time around, it's been a bit more of a growth story and also the so-called term premium. We don't need to go down that technical path, but... Um, and therefore maybe not as negative for the share market, but you, you can pull the elastic band so far and then eventually it potentially does become a negative, and I think that is the risk we're facing right now. Shane, you touched on inflation there and you touched on the, the looking ahead to our key inflation data next week. We also uh, copied and pasted and put into a special chart there, your global inflation chart that you provided <laughs> us from Macrobound and AMP. Just talk us through the, the key uh, points for investors to watch out for next week. Well, I guess the good news from that global chart is that the trend is still down. It's a bit noisy. Uh, Obviously, the UK wasn't so good. Fortunately, the UK is a bit of an outlier, not so good for them, but uh, for the rest of the world anyway, the trend has been down. We we did get some good news out of New Zealand this week, which is not on the chart, and also Canada, uh, where inflation came down more than expected. So that's been good, and Australia's trend has been down consistent with that. The US seems to be leading the way here, led on the way up, and it seems to be leading on the way down. Now, of course, um, problem is that those inflation rates are still pretty high and the Reserve Bank worries that, you know, you can just look at the chart there, the lines for Australia, which are the blue lines, uh, they've been above the 2 to 3% inflation target for some time now and it worries that the longer it stays above, uh, the more 
people will expect it to stay above and therefore inflation expectations will start to rise. So that's why the Reserve Bank is saying, well, it, it, it can't take any longer to get back to target than we're currently allowing for, which is by mid-2025. And therefore, if we get signs that uh, it's going to take longer, then they might have to respond with higher interest rates. So that's why next week's inflation data is so critical. We think it will behave and that inflation headline will come down to 5.3, underlying down to around 5, which is sort of consistent with the RBA's forecasts. Um, but if there's any slippage to that, uh, then obviously the Reserve Bank won't be too happy. And interestingly, uh, Michelle Bullock is due to appear before a parliamentary committee on next Friday, which mm. is after the CPI, but before the meeting, which will be interesting to see what she has to say there if the inflation numbers do come in on the high side. Mm, absolutely. Um, I'm... <sighs> I just wanted to briefly swing back to the Middle East conflict. Um, regrettably, I'm old enough to remember all of the, you know, invasions. Well, going back to 1991, living and working I was in say, London. You haven't been around for 75 years, no, Danny. No, no, not since the start. But <laughs> Shane, I just wanted to gauge because memories have a weird way of remembering the actual events and the impacts on markets and this, that, and mm. the other. It, it, from my casual observations, it does look like the tone has changed. Um, globally um, on this event. Do you think there is a heightened risk that it could go beyond the current uh, conflict? Well, you'd have to say the risk is heightened. Unfortunately for me, I can remember uh, the 1970s. My, my father used to keep a stockpile of petrol in the house, which was such a good mm. thing because it is quite explosive if it gets into trouble. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously those memories are there. It's probably no coincidence that the Hamas attacks were on almost to the day of the start of the Yom Kippur War back in 1973. So, uh, that obviously brings back memories of what happened in 1973, which was a Arab-Israeli conflict. And, of course, OPEC was dominated by Arab-Persian uh, Gulf countries and they boycotted oil to the US and jacked up oil prices dramatically. Um, so that's why markets are a bit on edge here. I mean, we've seen lots of conflicts in the Middle East, uh, you know, obviously the ones in the 1990s. They were all pretty brief in terms of the impact on oil prices. And then, of course, uh, 2003, again, not much, well, not much impact then. And then lots of conflicts around Lebanon, Syria, and particularly Israel, and yet there hasn't really been any lasting impact on oil prices. This time around, I think there's more tension around because Iran was starting to feel isolated. Uh, Hamas might have been isolated as well if Saudi Arabia had gone ahead with a deal with Israel uh, politically, uh, a peace, uh, peace deal and so on. If that happened, uh, following on from the various Gulf states doing the same thing back in 2020, then that, that would have been bad news for Hamas and, and Iran, which may explain why we had those attacks, um, obviously, to try and reverse that. Um, but of course, Israel knows that Iran is developing a nuclear capability. It's getting close to the point where it can say it has one. And therefore, uh, it's going to be doubly annoyed at Iran for backing Hamas. So therefore, the the, the, the uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of the grounds there for an expansion of this war to include Iran, which is obviously why the US is trying to avoid that. And so that's why markets are a bit more on edge this time around. And if Iran is included, then you could say goodbye to its perhaps 
million barrels per day of oil, which is about 2.5% of global oil consumption. Uh, there's the risk of attacks in the Strait of Hormuz, uh, through which 20% of the world oil supply flows on a daily basis. And Iran does have some capability, as evident in 2019, to attack uh, Saudi production facilities. So you, you can sort of understand from all of this why markets are on edge. It's not my base case that Iran gets drawn in. I think ultimately uh, common sense will prevail and they won't get involved. But you know, the risk is there, so I can understand why markets are feeling nervous. Indeed. We like that you have your positive thoughts book behind you when we are watching all of this uh, very... <laughs> I had to put that one out on the... Yeah. yeah, all this horrible humanitarian crisis. Shane, we thank you as always. Have a good weekend. Have a great weekend, out. Shane. Shane Oliver, AMP Chief Economist. Let's have a quick look at the leaders and laggards because we are definitely closed out for the day and week now. And we bit nano. I mean, I spoke to the yes. CEO yeah. who was in Israel, speaking of the humanitarian crisis crisis, uh, telling about how they are all sheltering in their bomb shelters, but that production is still going well. And of course, they signed that deal with the South Korean foundry. Um, and that interview you can find, of course, on our website. But it was the top performer for a second day in a row, up 13.3%. Credit Corp also higher, yeah, along with Paladin. I think that Credit Corp's really interesting because obviously it absolutely tanked mm. uh, post that update with the uh, US loan ledger. So clearly some buying coming into that one. But let's check in and see what the laggards are today and there we go lion town yeah yes i had a funny tweet did gina reinhardt just lose half a billion dollars do you think she would notice is that is that bad to say but it's it's you know paper money for her it might come back by monday exactly and uh we covered insignia financial uh stock of the day and also illumina down by almost nine percent telix pharmaceuticals had a a really bad week i noticed there is a, a broker upgrade i think bell potter on that one saying it is a buy and Polynovo also off by almost 5%. So let's have a look at the small caps. Strickland Metals up by 21% on the close. Zero Resources up 16%. Magnetic Resources up 11 as is Pan Continental Energy and 88 Energy up 8.3%. Yeah, well, it's good to see some stocks going up. <laughs> yeah. And the laggards in the small cap sta- uh, space. And uh, let's have a look and see what is happening. Well, sorry, we don't have those. So let's turn to what is happening overnight because, uh, wow, interesting. That's uh, coming the week ahead. Head, week yep. ahead, apologies. Because so tonight we'll be sleeping. I know, but the US is on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but this is the week ahead, Danny. So we're looking ahead to inflation data, trade and producer prices. Uh, Michelle Bullock is also uh, going to give her speech. Yes, next Friday, absolutely. And what else have we got? The Bank of Canada in the ECB policy decisions, which will be really interesting. That might yeah. actually, particularly Bank of Canada, might sort of give a little bit of a lead and indication for that November the 7th uh, RBA meeting. And US GDP and inflation data, oh, we're going to have to do all that again. And obviously US earnings season continues to roll on. Because as you correctly pointed out, just because we're asleep or out, the US (laughs) will be open tonight, tonight, Friday American time. American Express and SLB are among those releasing their quarterly earnings. All right, let's have a final look at the market. You and I were both just noting then, 6,900 points on the ASX 200. What a neat number. But of course, it's fallen now that 100 points below 7,000 that we were at earlier this week. 
absolutely in the CBO 200 closing down almost 13 points or nine tenths of a percent. All right. Well, if commodity stocks are something you follow, you might want to check out an investor event we've got coming up soon. Market Intelligence is presented by the team from ACY Securities. It is a deep dive into mining stock strategy for 2024. They'll be looking at the fundamental and technical indicators across a range of commodities, including lithium, gold, iron ore and uranium, plus emerging opportunities in specific stocks. And if that's not enough, a limited number of Ausbiz subscribers will have the chance to attend the event live in our studios here at Barangaroo. You can obtain more information and register at ausbiz.co slash intel. But that does it. Yeah, it must, it must be time for a glass of something after this week, so. don't you think, Jules? I think so. I'm going to signal to Carolina out there to, to get that cracking. Anyway, have, <laughs> a, have a fabulous evening, a great weekend, everyone. And of course, we'll be back on Monday morning, bright and early, Indeed. with everything that uh, is going to be happening with lots of new interviews. Have a good weekend. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.